I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Entrepreneur of the year 2022 is Jordan Brompton, my energy. Jordan Brompton, one of my idols. And she's ended up running a nine-figure energy company. The fact that she walks into any room breaking every single stereotype, she's one of the most impressive people I have ever, ever met. So in November 2016, we started My Energy, and it's been a bloody whirlwind ever since. We started in our shed, so now like a 65,000 square foot factory. Indirectly, we invented smart charging. I mean this in the least offensive way possible. If I met you and you were like, yeah, I own an energy company, I would be like, oh, I've grown up with nothing. From 13 years old I started working. My dad graphed. I've grew up on a scrapyard. I did Zumba instructing. I've worked in bars. I danced in nightclubs. God, you've lived a hundred lives. Especially with a name called Jordan and they'd expect a man to walk into the rooms. You know, I don't get invited to the golf course. Yeah, why would a woman have a job? It'd be ridiculous. It drives me fucking insane. I've nearly been bullied out of my own business. Every day is a challenge. Every day you've got imposter syndrome. Every day you don't think you deserve to be there. I think as women we just torture, torture, torture ourselves. I'm winging it like my terrible eyeliner. So what is the big end goal. What is up guys and welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Jordan Brompton who is just one of my idols. She is an incredible entrepreneur and I think the reason I'm so obsessed with her is the fact that she walks into any room breaking every single stereotype and she's so unapologetic about it and she owns it and she's just so impressive. She owns an enormous, an IPO level energy company. I almost feel offensive sounding like so surprised but I think we're so ingrained into expecting women to do certain things and those women who do those certain things to look a certain way and to act a certain way and all of this and Jordan just comes in and she just like debunks all of this she's so incredibly impressive her story is absolutely unmatched in terms of tenacity the background she's come from getting obsessed with the whole world of energy and renewable energy and making people self-sufficient and I mean she's been a dancer she's been a hairdresser she's worked in bars and she's ended up running a multi-million nine-figure energy company and I hate to sound surprised I really 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 do but I think that's exactly what stereotypes do to us anyway I just need you to hear Jordan's story what she's done how she's got to where she is now and just her unapologetic attitude we were talking before the episode and I was like yeah I always feel like I need to act like this or whatever it it might be like this to for people to take me me seriously or not dress like this etc etc she's like I just play into it like I literally do everything that I think is going to make them take me less seriously and she still just wins and I think it's so impressive and I think she's my new idol so anyway I hope you really enjoyed this episode I think you really 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 will she's one of the most impressive people I have ever 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 met and as always if you do enjoy the episode please make sure to rate and subscribe and follow the podcast on whatever platform you are listening or watching it on that really helps us and enables us to get amazing guests so thank you so much and as always have a wonderful day 
Jordan Brompton is the co-founder of My Energy, one of the world's fastest growing renewable energy companies. With a turnover of over £70 million and 400 staff, it's safe to say My Energy is turning heads in the renewable tech space. The company's huge success started with the invention of the Zappi Charger, the world's first solar charger for electric vehicles capable of using 100% renewable energy. It began as an idea over a bottle of wine with her business partner and now drives tens of millions of sales each year. However, My Energy's journey hasn't always been plain sailing. I wanted to sit down with Jordan to get to the bottom of what it's really like running an energy company as a woman. We discuss how she scaled the business, the obstacles she faces on a daily basis, and why it's important to learn your weaknesses as well as your strengths. Now my energy CMO, Jordan gives a realistic view into the whirlwind of being on the front line of a startup in an often tumultuous industry. I am so excited to share this episode with you. I'm very excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I want to get straight into it. Firstly, I always ask guests for just a little bit of background on themselves and their career. So I'd just love to hear like right from the very beginning, I guess school type of time, what were you like and where did you think you were going? So I was pretty useless at school. I was like, I loved the social aspect of it, but I was just never very academic. I was always into the arts, singing, dancing. But growing up in Grimsby, there was not very many options. I was very lot sort of like C's, D grades. Um, going to university was just not an option it was not something that you grew up aspiring to do in my sort of hometown Um, so I like left school not a clue what I wanted to do but I wanted to be independent from my parents because mm. they're super hard working I understood the value of money mm. and I didn't want to put any extra pressure on them because they already worked hard as it was and had my little sister so I think I like from 13 years old I started working mm. I was, whether it was a paper round or whether it was on the Sunday market down down at the beach selling mm. scooters I was just grafting to have my own money because I always wanted to travel um, but then I was also a home bird, which is totally right. weird. So I'd want to travel, but I'd want to come back and I'd want to get a bit of culture. But I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. I, as I said, I grew up singing and dancing. But then at about 16, I just lost all my confidence, stopped really? going on stage, stopped doing anything that was sort of like performing arts. And it was I think it was after I'd come down for an audition in London and um, the girls sort of locked me in the toilet. <laughs> like who's that who's who's that geek from like up north or whatever it was like a very clicky London crowd and I come down for a dance audition and I I went back home and I was like I am never going to London ever again you piece of shit oh my god yeah so I was like that's my career over and because I was too young and like vulnerable and ginger and geeky and just I don't know so I thought right well that's not a vibe so I'll just I just got stuck into work and yeah left school tried college tried law (laughs) I did like a year of law which I found interesting but I was like I'm not academic so it's starting to get hard and I just don't get it I just did what the teachers told me I could do which was hairdressing or travel and tourism so I picked hairdressing went and worked in a salon for a bit but I was allergic to every product that I got like dermatitis up my arms and up my neck and I was like so this isn't for me either (laughs) But that's also such a niche thing. But I'm also very happy about it because yeah. if I'd have like loved it and I won't be where I am now. But I've just always had an interest in business, even though I've had no one to really, I guess the closest person that I've had to look up to in business is my granddad. So I've grown up in a real um, male dominated family, even though my mum's super feminine. Like I, my dad had like 13 brothers and sisters. They're all very like huge minor Yorkshire men with right. big hands, big jo- outside jobs. And right. he used to buy and sell cars and just a total Dell boy, really. And mm-hmm. I used to, I've grew up on a scrapyard watching him up north, like hustle. 
And then my dad graphed and my dad used to say to me, whatever you do, kid, don't matter about being academic. You're a great communicator. You've got great common sense and not a lot of people in this world have got common sense. So lean into that. He said, whatever you do, you'll be fine as long as it's something that you enjoy because I hate what I do. My dad used to say to me, I hate getting up at five in the morning, driving to a job that I physically hate, surrounded by idiots that I hate. <laughs> Still working with them, so soz. We should have him on. <laughs> I know. He's very inspiring. I'm really liking so this speech. So he said to me, yeah. just do whatever you enjoy, do whatever you want. And they've always just been so supportive of whatever I've wanted to do. Mm. And I've been like a social butterfly that's flitted into every job, tried everything. I followed my mom. I did Zumba instructing. I've worked in bars. I danced in nightclubs. So then I went full opposite. Because you've lived a hundred lives. I have actually. Wow. I traveled the world. And then I came home, met the love of my life and who I'm married to now. I've been with him 13 years. And I went and I thought, what am I going to do? Need a little admin job. And I rocked up and it's my now business partner, Lee. It was his little bit set up that he had. And it was in like a shed and it was him and five or six other staff hand soldering these little devices. They were like now what's called our Eddy product, which was a power diverter. So anyone that had solar panels could essentially keep all the power in the home by diverting it to a hot water tank. We parted ways briefly because he had two other shareholders at the time that just didn't want to put the money back into the business or right. grow it. And I just, I said to Lee, it's such a shame I didn't meet you at the beginning of this because I'd have loved to have partnered with you because I think there's true potential in this brand, like in, in, in your products and in your brain. Yeah. So if you ever want to do something in the future, like let me know. And we parted ways for a bit and I went and set my own business up called Spitfire Distribution. It was a cycling distribution business where I was buying parts from France and selling them to the UK. What types of parts? Like chain rings and ceramic right. bearings and things like from that. Bikes. And then clothing for bikes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was because I had a French friend who ended up being my business partner who used to cycle in France and he got these few brands and I said, I'll sell them to the UK because I've just been doing that for Lee for these little gizmos. I was like, how hard can it be? Let's set up our own business. But then I realized very quickly that I hated being a distributor because I was getting squeezed from the French with the supplier and I was getting squeezed from the customer. And I realized that it was going to have to be super high volume right, to like make really any work. money. Whereas when I was with Lee and it, he was manufacturing these little devices, I'd learned that you could control your destiny, your margin, your costs. He just didn't have the best business partners at the time to take it to the level that it needed to be and it also the solar market crashed which meant all the feeding tariffs were took so his poor business he went through a right nightmare he had to close all that up and then um, in 2016 he come knocking on my door and was like that business is all boxed off now gone do you want to do something together only thing is I don't have any brand rights any manufacturing equipment I'll have to redesign it <laughs> actually nothing but I'm here <laughs> yeah but I'm here my brain's here and your love for the actual industry and passion for what you wanted to do before is hopefully still there and let's, yeah let's do something together and I was like yes that was like my moment where I was like finally because the cycling ain't doing it for me yeah no matter how hard I try I had a pink bike offs and I was Obviously. like biking around the country and trying to sell these freaking chain rings and I was like oh just just not yeah alive. I've got to sell too many of them so yeah that the rest is history I said look I'll join you. So we registered the business in June 2016. I said, but I'm not starting until I've like got my wedding out of the way because that was in September, my honeymoon. And then you've got me fresh, like I'm all yours. But let me just get this period of my life. Let me get Spitfire sorted. Yeah. So in November 2016, we started My Energy. And it's been a bloody whirlwind ever since. It was like, the, you know, when you've got that gut feel that something's going to work. Yeah. And because you, I'm passionate about it, I knew I could sell it and I'd fell in love with the industry and the whole concept of being off grid, like taking somebody without being a total hippie that's living in the woods, that's like connecting some old rusty solar panel together and 
building whatever and fires, I thought we should be able to be off-grid in the modern day. Right. Like use technology to be as off-grid and as energy efficient. And I just love that whole Yeah, concept. so for, for people who might not know anything about yeah, that, yeah. I'd love to know because I don't think when you walk, this is one of my favourite things about you. I don't think when you walk in a room, so if someone was like, I'm going to guess 10 things that this person is obsessed with. I do not think in that <laughs> top 10, they would be like little gizmos that correct people <laughs> off grid and therefore having alternative uses of energy yeah and I want to know what you love about this because I am obsessed with the fact that we always see online now like all of the most glamorous businesses in terms of like what to start what looks good and all of this and you're here running this enormous energy company having just been like loved the gizmos (laughs) I did I love tech but you know what it boils down to I'm actually a bit of an anarchist like (laughs) You are expecting it. No, I wasn't expecting that. I'm a, total, like, I'm a total conspiracy theorist. I'm a total anarchist. And I like the idea of decentralized power in any capacity. Like right. I don't like the power of money, of our energy, of our food, mm. of our water supply, of whatever it is. I don't like it being in the hands of like a few people. Of right. The 1%. And so explain the concept of off-grid. So off-grid basically means that if you're generating your own power, you don't have to pull as much power from from the actual grid right the national grid yeah Yeah. the the national grid so you're basically taking yourself as off grid as as possible so in the UK it's quite complicated to go completely off grid you've got to stay grid connected but I like this idea of being virtually off grid Mm. so you've got solar panels in your home and what my energy does is just help you consume and divert that energy wherever you want it so that you're not sending it back to the grid you're just essentially your own little pocket of energy yeah which is obviously great for the environment and great for the environment supports the grid like the grid love it because that allows then more large renewables onto the grid it gives us energy security as a country so if all the people that can have solar panels on their roof or a little turbine or hydro if they live next to some water if they can get themselves as off-grid as possible we are actually energy secure as a Mm. as a country which is in the current climate obviously very important so I'm just like I've just got a fascination with it and I fell into the industry and at the time there was no women in it Mm. like when I joined you know I've worked in solar now for I think it's coming up about 14 years or so and there was no women in it at that time it was very like you know I had to traipse around Europe traipse around the UK with my little roll-up banners at trade shows and stuff I had to know my stuff technically because I'm dealing with electricians I'm not dealing with like women and just I just it was it was hard graft at the beginning, but mm. that's the time that I love as well. Like that building the brand, that startup, that hustle, that not knowing if you're going to make next month's yeah. paycheck. Not, Keeps you going. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, aren't you? You've got no yeah, choice. I know. I know. I always think that entrepreneurs are like a special type of weird in the we way are. that we're like, this makes me feel alive. <laughs> it and it's does. like, you could just, you could just not. <laughs> could you, a, a few times I was like, why can't I just get a job at Tesco and be happy about it? And then have my weekends and what, why am I doing this right. to myself? Yeah. Cause it's freaking hell. But no, it, some you know it's paid off and the rewards have been amazing and I mean it's stressful but yeah but worth it and so right at the beginning when you two sat down together what was your concept for my energy for what you were starting and what you were building so we were starting with what we knew which was the very first product that Lee had ever designed which was our ready product so we was like I am gonna design it now just it's gonna be like the seventh version of it because I know it inside out I'm gonna do it amazing and let's do it for the German markets. The German markets just about to take off. And I was like, 
yeah, I'm here for that. Like I know how to sell it. I know the tech inside out. I've got customers that I can already go to. I've got, you know, loyal friendships in the industry that I can go straight mm. to and say me and Leah partnering up. So give us your money. We had customers that were buying them in advance before we even had manufacturing really? equipment or whatever, like oh, helping amazing. us bankroll that are now business partners in other parts of the world. So I had a loyal few customers from relationships that I'd built yeah. um, before. So I was like, let's just get stuck in with the Eddie product. But it was when Lee was driving a little Nissan Leaf at the time. And I remember him saying, I've still got export. Like I'm still exporting to the grid. So he's like, the eddy is heated my water by midday. And then I've got all this power and I'm, I'm exporting it to the grid. And it's not going to my electric car. And I said, my, my God, mate. Get cracking. Get in that shed and don't come out until you figure something out. Your car is running off the hot water yeah, somehow. Literally, like I want that. I want free miles from the sunshine, no yeah. fuel ever again. I'm not paying for fuel ever again. So get in that shed. And that's when Zappy was sort of sort of born. Yeah. And Zappy just like, oh my God, took us to next level because it just turned out that all the electric vehicle drivers of that time, which weren't very many, mm. but there was quite a few. Most of them had solar panels. So of it course. was, and most of them were like dying for this product, which we didn't even know. It was just by accident that yeah. we saw a problem and solved it. And, and indirectly, we then invented smart charging as it's known today. We were the first sort of in the world to think about balancing the grid, balancing the home. If Even if you don't have solar panels, like if you've got an electric shower on, a kettle on and all these different things, like just reducing the power to the car, because otherwise you're going to get your main fuse pretty hot. And like right. the grid responded to it, customers responded to it, electricians loved it. So it was just, it just took off. And, and what was Lee's background? So Lee's an electronics engineer. He was uh -huh. self-taught originally, then he went to uni and he's had like um, jobs at Ericsson and places like that. He's had right. multiple, he had a little company where called Big Cat where he was making um, electronics for cars, like um, little boy racer stuff. That's, yeah. He's always been tinkering. He's like a yeah. tinkerer. And we're both Grimsby kids. Like he's just worked his way up to being an absolute top dog that he is just now. Just signing 30 million pound rounds. Yeah, a casual little... <laughs> Just a little casual, you know, just a drop in the ocean, really. Yeah. So not a lot, not a lot. Where did you kind of get that matter of fact, like tenacity in terms of just getting on with things and just figuring it out? One thing that's good when you like, when you are brought up in somewhere like Grimsby, you're not surround, you, I, like I hardly ever came to the city. I had no external import, no analysts telling me to do this, no people checking the right. data, no people, no one doing the market research. Because if they had... They would have told me not to do it. Yeah, it's too So my hard. first, my first um, instinct was to get online. I was like trying not to give too much away, but build the brand and build some contacts online and through LinkedIn and things like that. But I guess I looked and my first point of contact, I thought there were, it turned out that one of the market leaders in EV charging, because there was a few other like electric vehicle charge points that were around, but they were just what we call dumb chargers. So they were just putting full power to the car regardless and these companies were making a mint because the government was giving away a grand for every charger even though they cost about right. 25 pounds to build we opened one up and we were like the electronics in them are so minimal they were like caravan hookup points well why are there none on my road then <laughs> so the government was like throwing money at this point it was called the o olev scheme and we didn't have a charger at this point and i said let's go to who's winning in this market space at the minute and say like 
we can make your tech smarter. Can we put our Zappi in your product and do like a licensing thing? I tried everything at the beginning to get the brand off the ground yeah. and I just got doors slammed in my face. This really? one, I remember this one company actually saying to me, why, why, why should I help? Why should I yeah. help you? I don't care about the environment. I don't care about the grid. I just want to sell units. And he looked at me and he went, you could be a competitor one day. So what? And I was like, no, not, not one day. Like I am yeah. going to be your competitor. Yeah. Now you've just trapped me like that. Yeah. Like, you will see me again. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> it was honestly like, that is what? Yeah. Dick. So I left the office like, well, that's fine. That's his opinion, whatever. And then a year later, I saw him at, um, at one of our customers because I'd gone to all, I thought right I'm gonna look at all your customers mate and I'm gonna jump on the back of it with the, <laughs> with the product so I went to all the electricians I thought I'll start with the solar installers because they're the ones they're a target market so I was like contacting every solar installer in the country that I could find online telling them about our tech and then I was like okay so how do I get in front of more electricians through the electrical wholesalers so then I started knocking down the doors of the electrical wholesalers mm. and saying this EV market's going to happen and take off in a big way why don't you sell our products and mm. um it didn't want as easy as that I got a lot of no's got you know some people said yes and just it just started like snowballing but I guess a real big catalyst and a big point was there was a there was a YouTube channel still is called fully charged and they've got like a million subscribers and it's people all interested in electric vehicles and renewables and debunking all the myths that you'll Mm. see in the like loads of propaganda at the minute about the industry so you can go there for like actual studies and talks from professionals that are saying that you know about cobalt and mining and where the energy is coming from and all that you can get all the actual information so I knew that they um, were going to be at an event up in Orkney. So I drove in Lee's Nissan Leaf, which only had 55 miles range up to Orkney, which is a long way, by the way. And I, I had to stop 12 times to charge. I didn't even make it to the first charge. I, had to, like, I, I ran out and I rolled in like downhill <laughs> to the charge. And then I got there and obviously it didn't work. So this was like seven years ago. Right, Before course. the infrastructures is what it is now. And I met Robert Llewellyn, the guy who owns the YouTube channel. And I just said to him, look, I've got to show you our tech. And he just fell in love with it. And he said, I'm going to do you an episode. I'm going to do an episode on it. And normally don't do episodes on like tech and things like right, that. On the product itself. Yeah. yeah. But he was like, but this is so innovative and just so needed. And that, you know, that day, our website that I built <laughs> broke and um, the phone began to ring and it just, we manufacture all of our products as well, by the way. So we are, right, completely we have factory, we are, yeah. So we'd gone from, I was hand soldering them myself, like packaging them, <laughs> walking them to the post office. <laughs> then we with your zappy. <laughs> Carrying my zappy up the, up the hill in the local village where we started in our shed. So now like, a, you know, I don't know, 60, we're just building a 65,000 square foot factory with all the latest manufacturing equipment oh in so God. we can churn out millions of these things around the world. Yeah, millions. no more soldering for you. No. And so that obviously hugely started to take off. What what kind of size was your team at that time? There was probably about 15, 16 or so people by that point. Right, and how did that feel to suddenly be managing 15, 16 people? Were yeah, they, that was Were hard. they in office side or were they doing the manufacturing side yeah it was office and manufacturing it was all very hands-on yeah it was like orders were growing and momentum and everybody was doing a bit of everything and you know when you're starting up you hire people you know you'll hire anyone who's willing to help you right you don't hiring on skill you're hiring on help me like family and friends (laughs) and just (laughs) begging people to work for you and 
pulling in the family and the husband and stuff on Easter bank holidays and stuff to get orders out and it was wild um, but I found the hardest part going from about that size to probably about 40 50 because it had gone from feeling like everyone felt like there was family to then all of a sudden you're trying to put yeah. processes and procedures in yeah. and bring people in that are qualified and it starts I went for, I remember going th and that was when I was pregnant I remember going through a really hard time and a really hard transition of going from like friendly family startup fun vibes to all of a sudden this is getting a bit too successful and people turning and being a bit weird and then somebody yeah. just oh <clears throat> the politics yeah um, it was hard work but now I think once you've got over like the couple of hundred mark of people it's yeah. a fully functioning business it's less like personal it's more um, yeah I definitely have found that that transition between being like four people in a room to yeah. being like I mean we're only like 35 people I'm finding this stage so hard in terms of people and team and actually yeah. being able to like work out exactly the types of people we need exactly like the types of processes we need what's too much what's too little how do you incentivize like innovation within the team whilst also putting things in place to mean things that don't go wrong. It is just, I mean, I, I think it, I'm finding it the hardest I've ever found it in terms of people at the moment for exactly it's that normal. reason. It's normal and it's the hardest stage. I think once you get through that growing pain. Yeah, except you said it's fine when you get to a few hundred <laughs> and I'm quite far away from that and I'm having a tough think, time, Jordan. Do you, I think good management, good management is key. Like yeah. you need your core like A team because that's what I found. I call them my A team. Yeah. Um, and that's like getting that right is a blessing. And I've, you know, it's like anything in relationships. You kiss a few frogs, you go, mm. you get it wrong a few times. I've had the imposter syndrome where I've let people come in and be really corporate. And yeah, I think, agree. well, I trust everything they say because they're better than me. And then it's gone yeah, horribly right. wrong for the culture. And yeah. we've had a bit of, we've just done a culture session because I, I feel like we've got a culture war where it's old world versus new. And it's like, I'm wanting to run it really like liberal and relaxed and trusting and then there's some that I want no processes procedures it's black yeah. it's white there's no gray area and I'm like nah. yeah and also what I find tough is that it's so management style is so specific to who you're managing and the types yeah. of people you're managing but in a bigger organization you can't run things based on the person because no. I've always managed people differently whether I know like whether it's like a you know I always think it's best when it's on like a trust relationship and it's on the type yeah. of thing where you can really easily just be like you're that you're essentially I like people to be able to act self-employed within an organization because if they feel trusted I'm not micromanaging it's better for me it's better for them all of that mm -hmm. but then there are also you can't hire fast enough and therefore not everyone you hire is going to be like that and no. not everyone thrives in that situation so as much as you can say in the interview process like you know how good are you at like this type of thing and whatever it might be and then also it's not always good to have all the same types of people too. No, exactly. And so mix. it's, I found it so hard to adapt my leadership and management style, both to manage people correctly, but also to be like, we've all got to have some sort of homogeneity in terms of like the way we do things. Otherwise it's just, it's hard. I mean, it's chaos. It's chaos. It's hard work. And I don't think there's any like right or wrong oh, way of doing it. That's what I wanted it. you to say. I wanted you to give me tips and then all my problems will be gone. <laughs> We can offline, I'll chat and see what the real problems are. <laughs> yeah, so fair enough. Um, and in terms of that, I guess, going from, I mean, you've, how many people are you now? 
I don't actually know. <laughs> it's, sure. um, I think it's about 400 mm. at the moment. We had a bit of a, we've had a bit of a wobble this year yeah. um, because the energy crisis and the cost of living, we were growing at like 200% year on year. And then we just hit this massive slowdown because of the cost of living crisis. Of and um, because all the subsidies were cut for EVs and it's all being politicized now. The whole world signed up to this, like the whole world's doing it. And now by, by us reversing it, we're just, we are just literally destroying this country and any economic yeah, um, advantage and the world that we could and have the, had. Like, and we, yeah. was, we was doing so well. Like we're leaps and bounds ahead of like the US even yeah. um, in terms of like tech uh, around the home and, and EVs and EV charging. And it's just, we could have really grabbed hold of it and been a leader of, as our little island, as off grid as possible. And it's just, just who, who cares anyway? We'll just keep doing it. I yeah, think like right. the cars have not- made the switch will carry on consumers have made their minds up most mm. most of them even though the media is not helping so much at the minute yeah. with the fear-mongering mm. and the propaganda and but you know I just think how can it how can it be wrong you know yeah literally you know what it's like you live in the city just just not having the fuel like pumping out the back into the atmosphere you know the, and it's so energy intensive to produce fuel like to, to drill it out the ground to then turn it into something that we can use to then burn it into the atmosphere yes making a battery isn't the isn't completely emission yeah. free but once it's with you yeah and there's it's no not more like, emissions after it and yeah. you can recycle it after it's not even like we were super close to the deadline and then they were being like we're going to add a two-year grace period so no. that you can do x y and z it's not even that like it's literally just like a flat switch where you're so right we could have been leaps and bounds ahead and we as a country we are getting political but like we as a country very much need some sort of angle where we can be like actually no we do you know we're leading in this we're leading in this and actually that's because we've set targets which mean that we have to lead in this Mm -hmm. and now look where we are this is amazing like we you know are way ahead in this specific area as you said ahead of the US that's amazing like it's specifically that like with all the with the cost of living crisis and with this many crises over the past few years, like we've never had this intense amount of whether it's like recessions, COVID, crises, over and over and over again. What a time to start a business! Yeah, I know. Brilliant. <laughs> I know what I should do. <laughs> Make myself more insecure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's exactly that type of thing, and it's like it just doesn't. I mean. It just doesn't make any sense at all. You as a business, when you get that type of news that obviously you've planned to change, to ramp up production, to account for the increase in demand, I can imagine that's a lot of your business plan over the next few years. How have you adapted to like when big news like that comes in? How do you even deal with that? It was so hard. So the slowdown has been awful because it meant that we were too top heavy with, and you can't just turn off your suppliers. So if you've got like um, hundreds of thousands of components on order to manufacture your products based on the market growth rate that was happening last year and the year before and what everybody's predicted and then all of a sudden it slows right down, you've got to recuperate those costs somehow. Mm. We, up until that point, we were a self-funded business. We'd, we'd got some investment, 1.8. Back in 2019, we raised 1.8 million from angel investors. Right. And um, we'd, we'd been growing off our own profits ever since. We've been completely profitable. Which is unbelievable. And then this took a massive dint in our mm. cash flow. Um, we had to let some staff go. It was honestly the worst, yeah. most brutal time experience I've ever gone through as a business owner because it's all 
I'm stressed even when it's going good. Right. You know, like I find it high pressured and stressful and it's not like I just, I'm living my best life. I'm mm. always under pressure and stressed. But when it's like going the wrong direction all of a sudden and, and you're having to like lay people off or let, it was just savage. But we seem to be over the hump of that. And um, we have just closed out on a round, which I mentioned to you, we've raised 30 million, which is nice. Which to help is us grow. unbelievable. Yeah. Like so. incredible. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Incredible. Also, I'd like for context for anyone who's not in the fundraising sp- sphere, this year has been absolutely savage in terms of fundraising. Or like there's been almost no deal flow in like any direction at all. Like no, no one's really been getting checks. Um, and for you to just like work out you need money a bit ago and come into like essentially at this point and and get it, yeah, is amazing we also got super um supportive bank like we had some help from the bank as well um give us a revolving credit line of 30 million so we've got that you know we've oh now God. we're now well capitalized and ready to to grow because we're looking at other markets as well and we've yeah. got a list as long as our arm of other products that we want to bring out but Incredible. all of that's like you know we've, we've had a bit of a hold obviously on recruitment for a long time mm. and the team are all stretched and so we're ready to just take that pressure off everybody and yeah. take a breath and go again because it's been a really intense six, seven, eight months. It's been. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I want to talk a little bit about being a female business owner, mm-hmm. having raised funding as a woman. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've discussed you have a male co-founder, so the stats are slightly different. However, they're still not great. Yeah. How have you found the process of, I guess, We'll talk about raising funding first. Mm. Did you feel like there was anything you were up against in terms of like walking into a room as a very feminine woman being like, I run an energy company. I mean, I guess you have the numbers that speak for themselves yeah. now. I, yeah, I didn't really like we, so we were going to IPO. Before, really? before the war happened, oh gosh, so we was going to IPO and we was, had everything in motion to go. And we'd been on the glory parade. We'd been around meeting investors. We'd got the pitch nailed. We were on this mad trajectory where we were growing 200% year on year. And if we'd have got that over the line, it'd have been great personally, but it would have fell off a cliff not long after and share right. prices. And then who knows what have, would have happened. So I'm so glad we didn't IPO when we did, but we knew that we were going to need cash and not our own like organic growth, even though organic growth has been impressive. It was like, we need some extra help if we want to do all the things we're going to do. So let's switch to private equity and then it's been <laughs> they won't mind me saying it. it's been hell it's mm. been a really difficult journey and I, I I've learned so much through this process and in terms of being a a woman who's a 
who kind of owns this company and from the original, I guess you were originally starting to be a leader. Mm. How have you found that being a woman has impacted people's, I guess, perception of you as a leader? Yeah, it blows people's minds, I think, especially because it's in this industry, like you say, it seems to like, it's a conversation starter and it's interesting. It's like me and my husband have just been away and we've been in in Dubai and people always say to me, more like, what do you do? Like they ask them, it's it's natural to go to the man first. Why would a woman have a job? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, it's all, uh, people lead with it, don't they? Like, what do you do? And blah, blah, blah. But being a woman, I don't know. Like, I actually just hate that we have to still talk in 2023 about being a woman in I business. Know. We like, said, just also for context before we started recording, this is literally exactly what I said. I always feel so almost like horrible that every time I have like a really impressive woman here, I'm like, but being a woman. Yeah. And it's like, you do get treated differently. And in, I notice it in sales and things like that. You know, I don't get invited to the golf course. You know? <laughs> Where's my invite? Because yeah. that would be weird and may, might cause problems like at home. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's just not the same when right. you're a female leader. Still very you don't much get, an old boys club. It's still club. a little bit of a boys club. Yeah. But I've, I've never felt any of the guys treat me with any disrespect, really, even in the banking world and when I've been raising cash and when I've got amazing investors, I've got amazing like males around. I've always had a lot of men around me. And I guess growing up by a very male-dominated family, I've learned how to, my dad's always taught me how to handle myself. Mm. And I, I really recommend getting into bar work when you're young because then you just meet every type of walk of life, don't right. you? And, and being a dancer, I'm very street smart and learned how to read a room and mm. read body language. And don't get me wrong, like people, especially with a name called Jordan as well, because back in the day, someone would email me and they'd be speaking to me and they'd expect a man to walk into the room. So when a blonde with a pink blazer with a walks, in, Audi. <laughs> walks in, walks in, it's like it puts them on the back foot because they was expecting a bloke until, you know, now we've got pictures everywhere and people sort of know now. Yeah. But in the early days when I was starting off, I, I used to see people physically like disarm when I walked Record. into a room like, oh, what, what <laughs> expecting Whoa. that? Yeah. Um, so there is like, there's, there's a bias and there's, you get treated different and you might get judged, but I don't just find it from the blokes. Mm. I find it quite a lot from the women as well. I think um, it is. I, I really think that is very true. And I th- yeah. always say, I think we all have underlying preconceptions and biases mm-hmm. that I even find, like, I even find like in myself, you know, when mm-hmm. you're talking to someone, you're like, oh, yeah, like, d- like, I, I mean this in the least offensive way possible. If I met you and you were like, yeah, I own an energy company, I, I would like, as in, it's so, it's terrible that that's even in it. But I would be like, oh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> that's really amazing. But it's so in our heads. Yeah, we are is. so, especially like we've talked about the fact that you like, you've deliberately lent into the fact that you're a very feminine yeah like a certain uh, way. Yeah, yeah exactly I've not toned it down people have tried to make me tone it down I can remember one, I, yeah yeah I've been through that I've had one guy that I I'd never say his name but I'll, I'll say it to him I pointed him he was one of our first big hires and he I remember him saying to me I think you should change your profile picture because I don't think it's very appropriate is that like the that what we want to portray and I was like how I've just literally employed you. So nice. Yeah. And it was like, what also, was you would it? never say would he ever say that to his male boss that he just Exactly. Like people do say things when you're a female or when you're a little bit more because I am very open there for everybody, super like warm, engaging, like mm. welcome people in. And and I do people take chunks out of me and people take chunks out of me because of my kind nature and that as well. And I find like I'm a bit of a punching bag and I am probably the most judged of the C suite mm. and 
I'm judged internally, I'm judged externally, but then when you get into the nuts and bolts of it, like I'm also, I am also really respected. I'm just unconventional. I think people don't yeah. know what to, <clears throat> what to do with it mm. and the battle in their own social conditioning. And, but I, I get through, I get by it. I get my knockbacks. I get chunks taken out of me. I build myself up. I mean, you can ask my, my EA, she's the closest to me, mm. Lindsay. She sees it on it and my husband, they probably, family and that, they see me roaring behind the closed doors when I've, I've had a day of it, but I always just like managed to pull it together and I'm like an elephant I don't forget so if yeah. someone's like took a chunk out of me or made my energy yeah. feel not nice I remember that and I'll always sort of not get my own back because I'm not like malicious but I won't let it go I'll make sure that it's nipped in the bud and I'll yeah. make sure that it's been made clear that you've made me feel like that and then we'll, we'll um, and I don't hold grudges and then I'm yeah on. and how have you managed to I guess build that muscle of like a thick skin and being able to take that type of behavior whilst also remaining authentic to the fact that you want to be yourself I don't think I'll ever have thick skin I don't think I'll ever be used to it I think I'll always struggle and that's why I fear quite you know I fear doing stuff like this because I think people come at you so easily these days especially online I don't understand I'm ready yeah you know like they come for you and I just think I I I do sort of hide and but I've had a moment where I was like it was literally an epiphany recently I was laid in the bath and I, I sent a TikTok video and it just summed it up where I thought oh my god that is so true don't let anybody shrink you because they're uncomfortable with your energy and your way of like leading and I and, and it was just such a pivotal moment that this film like popped in, this little clip popped into my life. And I was like, do you know what? I'm not shrinking myself anymore. I'm always unapologetically me, but I'm going to be a little bit more unapologetically me because I guess I have shrunk myself to suit society yeah. and to suit everybody internally and to suit everybody externally. And I know I'm not a crazy person. I know I don't run around. I'm not a, yeah. like you, not a bad person. Yeah. Why do people feel that they can be this way with me but they wouldn't dream of saying something like that to Lee and I've I've, I've just woke up from it I'm like I'm not standing for it anymore yeah and it's, it's been a recent thing so I have to it's a constant battle that I've mm. and it will slip as well too because I feel like I've had that realization a few times where I've been like yeah I'm, <laughs> like, I'm like, stormed out the bath and yeah. I've been like yeah do you know what yeah. I never say something like that so if I do say something I really mean it and, and yeah. no one should take advantage of like yeah you know because I, I start putting this wall up around myself where I'm like actually if everyone knew that starts I'm going to be really clear that I'm really stern and yeah. like all of this and I'm like it's just so far from who I am and it doesn't do me it, it like I then go in f- to the office feeling like I'm putting on this act so that I will be taken seriously and it's like no I can be kind and it is your duty to, to receive it in the right way and do your yeah. job and then if that doesn't happen that's fine it's not the right thing exactly. for either of us but I'm not going to change my like entire personality to suit your needs yeah and you as a person like I'm running a business but it's also here. society's needs as a whole oh like God, we really need women to like I've talked about this before how the fact that we we need women in order to be liked we need them a not to be successful but yeah. fine. If we can remove that, if we want to like a successful woman, we need them to be like violently humble and self-deprecating. Like we really need them to be like, to basically qualify their success in a way where we're like, no, you wouldn't actually want it because these are all the like bad things oh about it. God. Like we like to make other people comfortable with our success by saying Why? it's not I as know. good as it actually is. So and like, that's a big thing that we need. But then from leaders... And, and we also need women to be vulnerable. We need them to share all the shit things they've been through. Like we require that of women for to predicate their success, for their success to be like worthy. We need to have known they've gone through all of this. I always say that like, I know the background to every single female founder within like, 
every single female founder in the UK, if I know about them, I know the, their background, I know what type of education they've been through, I know all of this, because we need to, to be able to somehow be like, oh yeah, do you know what, they do deserve it, yeah. or whatever it might be, or to be like, oh yeah, but yeah. they came from this background, or whatever it might so be, true. whereas every single man that is an entrepreneur, I don't know anything about their background, if I do, it's probably because they're so famous and so successful that we're like, yeah, cool, but we never concentrate on their background, we never concentrate on where they came from, like, as in, we don't need to in no. the same way, but then... I'll stop my rant soon, maybe. No, I love it. Then, for leaders, we ask them to be the opposite. We ask them to be strong and not show their vulnerabilities in the same way. We ask for them to be able to, like, ring fence and put on, like, this persona and all of this. So then we're saying, well, to be a woman, you need to do all of these things. And to be a good leader, you need to do all of these things. And unfortunately, they're mutually exclusive. So unfortunately we can't have any likable women leaders. Like it derives me fucking insane. Cause when you think about it, you're like, okay, but you're asking for the two completely different things. So I've got to go into a room and I've got to be vulnerable, but I've also got to be strong and show none of my weaknesses. But then I've got to be really humble, but then I've got to be sure of myself because I've got to show that I deserve to be and here and all of this. Don't be too defensive. Yeah. And don't be too emotional, about emotional. It's just business. And, and then don't I'm be too like, this and don't be too that. And I don't have the bandwidth. I know it's <laughs> it's freaking intense. It's uh it's mental torture at times, and it's just not what you need on top mm. of running a business. You don't need to be going home and thinking. If I mean, it's a good job with strong characters because could, I could have quit a few times. I've nearly been, I, I would say, I've nearly been bullied out of my own business in the sense that I've thought this is just too much. I'm just this. I've not got this in me. Why am I? feeling like this and no one else is feeling like it why am I, I don't and women are quite good at graciously walking away as well because yeah. I've all, also almost found myself at a point where I've been like I'm going to be like gracious in this and just be like do you know what this isn't the place for me yeah and it's like no this I is my this. place yeah. <laughs> what and then you doing? Doing. yeah that, but that's yeah. the turmoil and usually it's when I'm in the bath and I'm doing my self-care bloody Sundays I'm like yeah no, I built this freaking thing. I'm staying I'm, and I'm growing it because if it's not me, it's someone else and I've built the, done the yeah. freaking legwork and then I'm going to let someone in and swoop in. No, I'm not going to. Yeah. So I'm like, pull yourself together, get a grip, stick your little iPads on, like, <laughs> do, de-escalate oh, the puffiness like, and yeah, go again. de the puffy, get the LED mask on like this, sat with everything, all my... <laughs> Every day is a hurdle. Every day is a challenge. Every day you've got imposter syndrome. Every day you don't think you deserve to be there. Every day you're thinking, should I be this type of leader? Should I be that type of leader? It gets easier with age. Like I'm 34 now. I know you're only a baby. I think when you get into your 30s, you get a whole new level. Something switches in your 30s where you care less and less and less mm. what people think. And every year that goes by, it's starting to become more and more of a mm. power but yeah. I still, I still, I think, I don't know whether it's hormonally. I don't know whether it, cause that plays a massive part in it. I don't know what, what you know, I've started getting my bloods done regularly. Cause I want to get on top of that and just get to know my body on a cellular level a little bit more. Cause I find stuff like that interesting. Mm. But I think, you know, if I like, it does play a factor into it. Cause if I'm like due on or something before a board meeting, I'm a freaking wreck, mm. like an absolute wreck. Like board meetings, I get myself so worked up, but it's because I want to do such a good job and I want to be so equal to the blokes that are in the room that are calm yeah, and, and you collected have to and I want to know well. my, I want to know my stuff. I don't want them to ask me a question and me not know. But then it, again, I'm having epiphanies all the time. Last board meeting, I thought, what does it matter if I don't know the answer? And also if they asked someone else and they didn't know the answer, I don't think they would doubt their entire capacity. No, no they wouldn't, but I, I do. It's just so, I think as women, we just torture, torture, torture ourselves because of, and we're going through evolving times, aren't we? We're going through a totally different generation to what our parents went through, to what our grandparents went through. We're like carving out this whole new technological world. We've got all this information online and everything. We've just got a lot 
to deal mm. with as yeah. in general without throwing in like, you know, multi-million pound businesses with 400 staff. <laughs> and, and that is all. <laughs> Amen. That's what I had to say for today. <laughs> Good night. So I don't know the answers. You come into your podcast for some lovely inspiration. I don't know what to tell <laughs> you. I've got nothing to give you. <laughs> I'm winging it like my terrible yeah. I know, I know. And I think that is the truth, to be honest, as well, because I think every single person is very much winging it. And there's little bits of advice you can take from everyone. But I think realistically, the true amazing entrepreneurs are the ones that are winging it to the extent that obviously entrepreneurs all the time if you don't have the answer you still do it like mm-hmm. and I think that's the constant thing is it's there's like to I'll hide. sort it out later there's I'll nowhere just... to hide you can't bury your head in the sun for too long when you are the owner of the business it is you yeah but I think one thing I would say about um one thing that's helped me mentally physically and again women feel so uncomfortable talking about the successes and they have to tone it down where everybody else can you know, go over the top and show about it. Yeah. Do you know what? I occasionally do. You know, I've got the pink Audi. I think I'm going to enjoy my car. I get, I get like comments thrown at me and stuff, but I think I've grown up with nothing. I didn't come from a wealthy family. I've not been handed nothing. I put up my own savings on the line. Like I'm not taking that away from anyone that has had it handed to them because I think still you've got to graft. Even if you've been handed a wedge of cash, even if you've been handed a business, it's not a freaking given, Mm. but like I can hold my head high that I did physically have nothing and it's, I've had no easy way of making Mm. it. So I think I am going to enjoy the finer yeah, things of life should. and you're not going to take it away from me and you're not going to mm. make me feel like shit about it. And I also try and like be a bit more, it's not like I'm showing off and being flashy, extra flashy and showing things that I buy, and, but I will go on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll have but a nice- one thing about me yeah, is like, I will have holiday. a luxury holiday and yeah. I will have a nice car. Like, yeah. Soz, shoot me. Yeah. I'll buy a nice house. But one thing that gave me my physical sanity back and I can't stress it enough to a female founder or to founders is take some money off the table whenever you can. Yes, I have been told this. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because I'd love to hear more of that from you. When COVID hit, I was living in a little house. I just had my daughter. The pressure was building because we had a full manufacturing facility with orders that we couldn't keep up with. And then COVID hit. And I thought, I didn't know if we was going to have to mothball the business, lay people off. None of us knew what was going to happen. And I literally, I thought, I can't, I've put my whole life saving into this. Any money that I had. And when I say life saving, I mean like I took 20 grand that I had in a house out, or borrowed a loan against it and put it in. That's all I had. And I was like, I cannot let, this cannot fail and be left with nothing. Like me and my husband and my little, I can't. I just, I was like literally terrified. So I went to my original investors and I said, I know the business is worth something now. Like I just want to sell a bit of my shareholding. I've seen a house that I want. It's just going to give me the comfort that I need through yeah. lockdown with my Do new you know baby. That you're not pushing every day. For... Yeah, it's my dream house. I'll be like just. Can I'll be we... really good. Yeah, I'll be good. Just give me the money. And um, it was a bit of a. It was a bit of a. They had me they had me really because it was at COVID they were like well you know the pandemic's hit and we don't Mm. know where the business and there's a risk and luckily like I always think like if you do feel like you're getting a bad deal negotiate a clawback so that if the business is worth more money you can have some of your shares back or you can have some cash back so I negotiated that in as well which ended up being worth a lot of money and was freaking godsend so I I negotiated and I took some money off the table and I bought my dream house in an in the area where I've grown up where it was always totally aspirational to live and it just changed mine and my immediate family, my husband and my daughter's life. It set Bonnie up. And I thought, do you know what now? Anything that happens now, really, 
doesn't matter because I've done what I more than what I ever dreamed I could do and now I feel the like I can, fun. the rest of it's fun and I've still got my shareholder I've still got some yeah. shareholding and that um I think if I'd have gone through what I'm what I've gone through in the last year skin still with no money off the table because I think people think that if you've got a successful business that's turning over yeah, like the business turns yeah. over 70 million I don't take anything out of it other mm. than a wage I'm not taking mm. dividends I don't take profits out of it it's all getting plowed back in mm. and um, I think people have this perception that oh wow they're turning over 70 million she must be loaded it's like no I had to sell some shares to live the lifestyle that I'm living now but if I hadn't have done that I think I'd have quit I think I'd have had a mental breakdown I think I'd have ended up a nervous wreck yes. I, d I don't think I could have gone through what I've gone through if I didn't take away my financial worry yeah. that I had at the time and it's not even possible for some people but if it is if you get a slight opportunity you've got a shareholding you've got a business that's worth some value just look into it yeah and I've just seen things turn so fast you just never yeah. ever know you can be like on on the up and think this is it for for life now this is fine right. I'll just ride this wave <laughs> Yeah, you don't know what's around the corner. Like, there's yeah. so many macro factors that are just. I mean, it might be different in your sort of business because you've got such a huge name yourself and following. I think you'll always be successful with Thank your brands. You. I and think stuff you'll you're always amazing. be successful. I think that's but, for I, sure. I don't know because you've, you've got your, you know, you've got your right, name, leverage. you've got your social. Pro yeah, you, you could. I feel like you could spin up a million of businesses if you want. You're so early in your career. I'm like, it's, it's amazing to see. But I just think if you've got that one thing, mm. and you know, and it's sort of like a trend or it's an industry that's politicized or especially if it's in politicized, mm. it's, um, it's risk. It can be risky. Yeah, no, I can completely, completely imagine. I just want to talk briefly about, again, this is one of the things I hate talking to women about. I want to talk to you about having a baby. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's fine. Talk to <laughs> me I, about bon bon. <laughs> what was your kind of decision and timeline and thoughts at that time in terms of like, I want to start a family. <laughs> yeah, I've um, I've been, so me and my husband are just so like, we were so content and so happy with our lives mm. that it was like, we just made the decision that we were going to try, um, even though I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but mm. we'll figure it out. And it's that naivety, I think, at the beginning. And we were happy either way. For, for starters, we've been together for ages and never actually had a scare or anything. So it was like, we didn't know if we could or not. Right. But we'd never actively tried. And we just said, if we fall, then it's meant to be. But if not, our life's ace. We're so happy regardless. So, you know, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. So we didn't put any pressure on it. Turns out I fell pretty quick. Um, like, wow. like straight away. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this then. <laughs> Shit myself. Um, and then the business was really like every single year, the business is, it moves at such a rate of knots. I think like three months in my energy terms is like a year. That's how quick things happen. Yeah. It's like dog years. And um, it was so freaking busy at this time. And I just released this little book that I did about for, for children, um, teaching them about renew renewable energy and um, and all renewable planets and what I think getting it into the kids' psyche yeah, younger and younger and not terrifying them to death is important. So I just finished this book and I was about to go down and do the the launch of it in fully charged and I was loading the van and I was 32 weeks pregnant at the time and um I thought I said to my friend Darcy I said I think uh the baby hasn't moved much today and it moves quite a lot and she went no it's fine it's just because you're getting bigger and um you're you know it's just got less room to move and I had a little cut off shorts on I was at that cute pregnancy stage I was like hmm wrong my husband I said I don't think I felt the baby move today and I burst into tears and Mike said, let's just go get you, um, yeah. let's go get you Peace checked. Well, two hours later, I'm in emergency C-section and she's 
she's here. So I was like, wow. So she was eight weeks early and I was not prepared, didn't have everything sorted. I was doing a deal at the time. So I was then doing a deal from intensive care because we both needed transfusions and it was fucking heavy. Um, so my start was just utter madness. I, it was one of them flippant decisions that if we fall, we fall. If we yeah. don't, we don't. And I did. And then it was chaos. But now she's totally fine. She's here. Good. And one of the um, best things that I have done as well from taking somebody off the table is retired my husband. So Mikey no longer works. So that has taken all the guilt and pressure off me because I tried to manage it all and I thought I was going to break down. Yeah. Because I he had a job and it was like he'd get up at seven in the morning he won't be back till midnight he was an overhead linesman and it was like that job ruled over mine because there was no leeway there was no of flexibility course, yeah it's a shift so like, i'd be driving across town like with the baby i was like breastfeeding stuff at the time pumping trying to run the business get to meetings do board meetings break my back trying to get back for the little ass i can't i don't know i don't know how women do it i don't think yeah. i can do it it was such a, so yeah. something's got to give. Mm. And I said, um, we, we've made, we've made a bit of money. Like, why do you have to work? And it yeah. was just like, it's going to make me feel so, so less guilty. It's going to put less pressure on my family. And again, I feel like I have to always caveat this with, it's such a privilege and not everybody can do that. And they can't. And I appreciate that. And I'm so lucky, but that is because I took the initiative at the time, grew the business, took yeah. the initiative to take some money off the table and make my life. I just try and make my life as stress-free as I can outside of the things that, are, you know, anything that I can control, try and take the stress away. Anything mm. that I can't control, then I'm at least yeah. able to handle it that little bit better. Yeah. So my husband's a full-time dad. He's a freaking amazing dad. Amazing. And they come, and I also have decided not to put her in school. Mm. So she's not, um, she's not in school. She's homeschooled. Oh, she's really? got a tutor. She's just turned four and she's got a tutor two days a week. Um, so she's got one-on-one -on -one time with a tutor doing all of her primary school. Yeah. work and then they can literally because we've got offices all around the world yeah I'm down in London a lot more they can come with me Amazing. so it's just like I've just made life work yeah and how was that conversation in terms of like had you already kind of had that type of idea in terms of no it's just I literally live day by day yeah I have no like I have I'm mad at manifesting I'm actually like really mm. good at it like I'll and it's it's not like before manifesting was a thing and cool like before yeah. I, you know when the secret came out that yeah yeah freaked me out because I actually read it and I like was, I invented this yeah, guys I did <laughs> I read the We're secret I read the secret and it threw me off my game for a bit yeah because it made me consciously think about it whereas right. I've been naturally good at living like that being positive projecting and then I read the bloody secret and it threw me off. I was like, now I'm consciously trying yeah, to do it. Yeah, and now everyone else is doing it too. And now I've got to share yeah. with everyone else's manifesting. <laughs> share the abundance. Yeah. <laughs> so rude. My abundance <laughs> mindset is for me. Yeah. So no, he was like, God, he was freaking well up for it. Because he was working up poles in the freezing cold. And yeah. He's like the most, he's got like no ego. He's the most supportive yeah. um, guy in the world. Most amazing man. And he's just is just so supportive of me, sees what I go through to get this business where it is more than anybody. So he's yeah. just, I couldn't do it without his support. Yeah. It truly is like a team effort. So he was just like, if we can afford to do it, you think we can afford to do it, then yeah. Let's and I was it. like, the, the, the money that you, you're making, the time that we will save is just far more like valuable and the, the pressure that it'll take off us as a couple. And yeah. it's just so much better than like things. I'd rather, mm. instead of buy another car or buy another house or whatever it is, I'd rather invest it in mm. us and our 
you know, peace of mind. And Yeah. And how has your mindset changed since having a baby, obviously still running like a multi-million pound company? It does change, like your whole perspective on life and everything just changes. It just naturally does. Something cellular in you changes to the point where you're doing everything for them now you are you're literally thinking about their future thinking about how I think about making it as comfortable as possible try and give mm. her the best experience at every age she's at and you just see the world through their eyes and want to leave a bit of a legacy for her want to leave her options yeah um want to leave her a planet yeah that'd, that'd be, be nice right. that'd yeah, be good if the planet yeah. was in I want to leave her a nice country yeah like, I care I care about our country I care about our planet I care about big things and that's a bloody weight on of its own I try and fix it all, but it's just it just drives you more than ever you just become really like tunnel tunnel visioned and less when you you can be selfish when you don't have a kid you can just yeah I'm my own baby all the things you were saying about your child there I was thinking that's what I do for myself yeah but that's good you're good do that <laughs> try and make you can. Have a stress-free existence yeah. Yeah. yeah no but it's so true and I always think about that in terms of like this is why you know wanting to talk to you about like that kind of decision and all of that because it fucking scares the shit out of me because I think as a founder you have to be able to operate from a almost entirely selfish mindset not yeah. in terms of like founders are selfish people but like you work in a quite maniacal way mm -hmm. like I definitely do mm -hmm. and I can do that because I have an incredibly supportive partner mm -hmm. and I don't have any dependents yeah and like worst comes to worst I can get some doggy daycare but you're but like <laughs> you'll make it work you'll blow your own mind you'll make it work and it's not as scary as you think it's just it just adds a whole element of magic to your mm. life that you didn't even realize she was ready for yeah and it adds a level of maturity that just something goes in your brain that's just but society is bonkers because you, you you find the part you, you find a nice partner it's when you're getting married you get married you then when you're having a kid you have a kid then it's when you're having a second when you what well, you've got to give them a sibling it's like what <laughs> well, do you want just break? you give them a fucking sibling yeah, can i just have a freaking break if i'm honest now i'm going through the pressure of do i i'm right. like 35 in april and I'm like, God's sake, if I am going to have another one, I'm going to have to have it soon. But then I'm like, but I've got so much on and I don't even know I've just signed to. a 30 million pound round. Yeah, I literally, I can't. I I've got to spend 30 million pounds like and make it into 90 million. clock's going like this. And I'm like, no, I just, then I'm like, well, but society puts a pressure on it. Mm. To, to, you can't just have an only child. And, mm. and I'm thinking, but of course you can. That's all. Yeah, of course you can. So what is the big end goal? Uh, well, I didn't think I'd have achieved as much as I've mm. achieved, if I'm honest. I think um, I think I'd love, there's a part of me that's itching to try and crack America. So I think if we could take my energy over that's to America, big. that'd be fun. I just want to decarbonize as many homes as physically possible. My next immediate goal is I want a million connected customers in the UK because that would mean we've got seven gigawatts of flexible power. And what and Drax is our biggest power station at four gigawatts. So I think that that would be pretty cool. So it's yeah. like a nice little target to have. Um, so that would mean that you had more power than the national evil. grid. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All the power. No. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, that just so that we can do it and balance the grid. And I always said that we'd throw a Drax party and... That's sort of like a mini goal. Mm. I want, there's more products that we want to release. There's new markets that I want to enter. Um, Spain, France, Italy, 
So no time for any time off then? No. Oh, God, no. 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 Oh, well, that's I'll just make it work. Yeah. I wouldn't want time off, though, to be fair. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you operate that way. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a good place to end. Yeah. Um, thank you so, so much for coming on. You are absolutely incredible. I can't Aww. say anything more than thank that. I, I clearly just lost for words. I'm so I impressed. I think you're the best as well. So Aww. I can't wait to just watch your life and career just keep going. Thank I think you. you're amazing. Thank you. And now we're in love. <laughs> mom deserves better than a drugstore card this mother's day surprise her with a truly special personalized card from moonpig add your favorite photos a heartfelt message and we'll even mail it for you the same day all for just five dollars from mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.